Well, hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Herd. I am David Shepard, MLA for Edmonton City Centre, proud new Democrat. And with me today is Thomas Dang, MLA for Edmonton South and our critic for infrastructure. How are you doing, Thomas? Very good. Thanks for having me with you this week, David. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. Now, you had an interesting week here. You brought a motion to the floor of the legislature last Monday. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I guess interesting is one word for it. Um, we definitely saw a lot of action when when we brought forward this motion. So so the premise of the motion is basically we think, or I think at least, and I, I hope the colleagues of the Assembly and, and the NDP certainly agree that hate symbols should be banned in Alberta. When we talk about hate symbols, we're talking about things like uh, torches that are used to intimidate racialized communities. We're talking about things like, um, like Confederate flags, right? Things that are designed to instill fear uh, and make people feel unsafe in their community. So, so the motion was basically to say that we should be banning these. Um, it was to try and make the government act and force them to take action. Um, and I think that uh, it was funny because on Monday Monday afternoon after it was introduced, we saw the government sort of play some procedural tricks to slow down the progress on, on the motion uh, despite saying they were going to support it. So I think it's it's something that when we look at the sort of politics on how the conservatives are approaching this, it, it's a little bit disappointing. Yeah, absolutely, because I, I don't think this is an unreasonable measure to consider. Now, of course, we've seen a lot of incidents lately. Certainly, we know here in Alberta, it is not unusual, unfortunately, to see a Confederate flag at uh, some protests or uh, flying in the back of a truck bed or in some other places. And certainly, yes, the use of tiki torches at recent parades, indeed, at the one that took place right here in my constituency uh, in Edmonton City Center, uh, and indeed, where they were advertising on the post folks carrying tiki torches they used a picture of the uh, white supremacists and Nazis in Charlottesville that had sort of popularized that. So the idea here being, I guess, that this is um, something that, it, that, that hurts folks in racialized communities, in BIPOC communities, when they are faced with these symbols, people carrying them through the streets in public, that is making them feel unsafe in their communities and sort of bringing that specter of, of hatred and violence that those have carried in the past. Absolutely. And I mean, David, I, I, I can't underscore enough that people like you and and others in our caucus like Jasveer and uh, and Raki as well have, have done so much work on this already ahead of time before this motion came forward. And, and when we talk about this, I mean, for example, of course, um, us, along with the National Council of Canadian Muslims, we, we called on the premier to bring in a bipartisan committee that would address legislation and, and propose legislation to ban these symbols and and, and work against the, uh, the racism that's happening in our communities. And 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 Jason Kenney, along with the rest of his cabinets, just been ignoring that request so far, right? So, so you know all too well uh, how this has been going for the last several months, I guess. Absolutely. And this isn't something that's just out of the blue or sort of frivolous. This comes after we've had uh, six women from the Muslim community in Edmonton that have been attacked. Uh, another that was attacked in Calgary just recently. Uh, we know we have seen a real rise in anti-Asian hate uh, in with the arrival of the coronavirus. And uh, unfortunately, voices, many mostly on the far right, that have been uh, talking about things like, you know, the Kung flu or the, the Wuhan flu or the China virus. 
So this is follows on, I guess, real threats in the community. And indeed, I did see there was even an editorial in the Calgary Herald from uh, the vice president of the Calgary Jewish Federation uh, talking about the concerns that the Jewish community has as well. And indeed, they stated specifically here, uh, we need our government to ease constraints on the ability to prosecute hate speech. We need them to create parameters for protests at the very basic level of banning hate symbols during protests. So really, this is all racialized communities seem to be coming together and in support of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's sometimes a bit of a misunderstanding or, or, or people that don't realize what we're trying to, to do here, because I, I've got a number of communications from people who are like, well, I use a tiki torch for mosquitoes in my backyard or whatever, right? Mm. And, and that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about when it's being used to intentionally intimidate people, right? So so if you have a tiki torch in your backyard and, and you're using it to keep the mosquitoes away with citronella or whatever it is, um, go ahead, do that. But if you take that tiki torch and uh, you put it in your truck at a white supremacist rally, or at an anti-COVID rally that's really a racialized attack on or a threat against racialized people, uh, if you do these things, that's where we have a problem. That's where I think it's extremely problematic and, and, and you're making communities unsafe, right? So, so it's about the context of how you're using these tools. And, and we know that other jurisdictions, uh, I know in British Columbia, and I, I've also done some research and heard in, in Portland, for example, uh, in the States, that they are looking at tools to ban these symbols because it is becoming a very clear sign of uh, of hate against uh, racialized communities. Absolutely. And it's an incredible challenge we have now. We know that uh, it's been very clear that uh, white supremacy has been on the rise. Uh, the open open Nazis, of course, in Charlottesville and other areas. And these hate, these uh, strains of hatred are trying to make a resurgence. And they're trying to do so this time rather than by setting themselves apart and making themselves obvious. They're trying to do so by blending in and trying to find ways to use things that are innocuous or innocent, but try to pull them over then to use them as symbols to make it easier, I guess, for them to hide or try to make excuses to try to hide the fact that what they are peddling, in fact, is hatred. And so it's, yeah, I think it's incredibly important. We have some tools that are flexible where we can meet that head on to protect racialized communities in Alberta. So what's the next step for this, Thomas? You got a limited amount of debate last Monday. What's going to be the next step? Yeah, so so when we come back to the legislature, it's going to be in about two weeks now. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to bring this back and and, and have that debate again and and see if the government will indeed vote to support this. And if they do, that's great. Um, but of course, this motion is non-binding. So so it, what it does is it forces them to confront the issue, uh, but it's up to them to take action, right? And I, I hope they're going to bring in this bipartisan committee. I hope they're going to bring in legislation. I hope they're going to bring in and consult with racialized communities and, and groups like the NCCM uh, and, and actually talk about how we can stop these hate symbols from being used to instill fear in Alberta. Um, do I think Jason Kenney is going to do that right away or or, or ever? I, I, I wouldn't be so confident, um, but I, I think that this is a first step and it's really driving at them to uh, to take action and, and that the talk is not enough. And and really, when I say talk is not enough, they haven't even really been talking, right? Um, mm. We know we saw uh, Lila here, the multiculturalism minister, uh, basically fail to condemn uh, racialized uh, attacks because she said, oh, I made a statement months ago or whatever it was. And then uh, we saw Casey Madhu uh, last weekend uh, when we were looking at the attack in Calgary, put out, I think, a weaker statement um, that basically said, oh, there's good people on both sides, freedom, freedom, uh, whatever. Um, 
a weaker statement than even the Calgary police put out, right? So mm. so when we see our own justice minister uh, not wanting to speak on this, a racialized justice minister not wanting to speak on this, um, then I think there's going to be uh, a lot of work still to be done to pushing the UCP to doing the right thing. Absolutely. And I think it says a lot about who you care about by who you're willing to talk about and who you're willing to sort of uh, put your political capital on the line to defend. And certainly we've seen that Jason Kenney was more than happy to to jump online immediately when people threatened a statue of John A. McDonald, but uh, is much more reticent all of a sudden when it's racialized communities that are expressing real concerns about folks that may be within, I guess, his political base. So yeah. certainly I'm looking forward to this debate coming back and the legislature hopefully having a chance to speak to it myself and indeed you know if folks if you're listening i encourage you if you want to reach out to uh, the to the minister uh, minister here minister madu the premier's office let them know that you support this motion i think it's incredibly important that we move it forward for folks in alberta so one of the other things uh, of course that is top of mind for everybody right now thomas is covid 19 so we've been unfortunately i think watching case counts rise quite quite rapidly over the last a while and quite sharply. And indeed, the spread of the variant cases, they're up to over 20% of our total cases now. We're seeing case numbers we haven't seen since January. So this week, a lot of people are watching pretty closely uh, on Monday when uh, we had the opportunity for the Premier to decide whether or not we're going to move to the next phase of opening for phase three. What were your thoughts on the on their decision to not go forward on that? You know, I think they basically had no choice, right? Like the the case counts are rising uh, at a very alarming rate and, and we're seeing the variant counts rising um, at a very alarming rate. I think the variants over 20% of all active cases now are variant cases. Uh, so when, when we're talking about public health and we're talking about keeping Albertans safe, um, I think we need to make sure that we continue to delay step three until until we have a plan for these vaccines. We have a plan to get Albertans immunized and uh, and safe from the community. Indeed. And, you know, this government, unfortunately, has perhaps been making some rather rash decisions with the decision to move ahead with phase two. Uh, they at first really limited it. And then within a week sort of uh, backtracked and said, oh, no, no, we're going to go with the full thing. Largely, I think it was pretty clear because of the tensions inside of the UCP caucus and some of their own MLAs that are pushing back very hard against the public health restrictions. It seems really concerning when these kinds of decisions are being made potentially based on what's politically better for the premier than what's good for the people of Alberta. Right, and I, I think it's it's actually really difficult for us to comment on this right now because the Jason Kenney government's been very secretive about the whole process, right? They they haven't released the internal modeling. Um, they haven't released the, the actual recommendations that are unfiltered from Dr. Henshaw. They haven't released the information that, that us as the opposition and Albertans as the public um, need to know on on how this whole pandemic is going, right? We we don't know what the track is like. And and of course, there's some public uh, analysis of, of where uh, of where case counts are going. And, and, and I think there's an epidemiologist uh, who's quite active on Twitter out of Calgary that does a lot of that modeling as well. Um, but Alberta Health Services um, and Alberta Public Health has the data. Jason Kenney just is refusing to let us see it, right? And, and that's something I think is very disappointing um, and makes it difficult for us to, to make good recommendations and work with the government on. 
Absolutely. And we saw federal modeling that was released this morning that shows some very concerning potential projections if we don't get these COVID variants under control. Of course, then Jason Kenney asked about that this morning, just talked about how, well, they're always wrong, that modeling doesn't tell us anything. We refuse to do it here because we don't want to scare people. But the fact is that Jason Kenney is not sharing information because Jason Kenney doesn't want to be held accountable. And one of the areas I think where this is concerning is this, of course, has impacts for people's individual health, but also has an impact on a lot of businesses. Because when we get this yo-yo effect of reopening and then having to reimpose restrictions and then opening again, that has a makes it really difficult for a lot of restaurants and other, other businesses that have been given that opportunity to reopen, where we've seen there's been some concerns. So I know we were talking about that a bit this week, the remaining grant money that was available there for small businesses, Minister Schweitzer's uh, small business support programs that have been slow to roll out. Um, I think there's still a good, a good chunk of money that's still sitting there, about $137 million that actually hasn't been allocated yet, and that program ends on March 31st. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a pattern of behavior for the UCP. They they actually suck, basically, at getting money out the door. Um, and I, I think that's something that's been very frustrating throughout the entire pandemic, right? So, I mean, of course, this, this grant funding that the, the UCP has been able to get out means that businesses are going to suffer more. Um, but this is just, I think, one piece in terms of all the things they've done that hurt small businesses, right? Uh, one of the big things at the beginning of the pandemic, and, and uh, as the infrastructure critic, of course, uh, the Minister Panda had, had said to me that they would push this huge infrastructure spend out the door to get people back to work, right? To get construction happening and, and people back to work. And, and they have fallen woefully short of all of the construction targets, right? So, so the money out the door, not only in this grant program, but across the entire government, every time they say we have a jobs program, uh, they basically fail to deliver on any of those jobs or, or any of that programming, right? So, so I think time and time again, uh, it, it, this government is showing Albertans that we can't depend on them if, if you're looking to, to try and get back to work. Absolutely. That's what we've consistently seen from them is big announcements and very poor follow through. So we're going to be watching this closely. Hopefully we'll see that $137 million. We're calling for that to be uh, invested immediately to support Alberta businesses, folks that have been seeing very little support or still waiting for government support. We'll be watching that closely. One of the other things that we found out this week is uh, a very sad statistics. We know that, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic has made things difficult for people in a lot of different areas of life. But we have seen, unfortunately, a very high impact as well on uh, Albertans who use substances. So we found out this week about 1,300 Albertans died of a preventable overdose in 2020. That's a big increase from what we were seeing in 2019. So uh, Associate Minister Luan, he announced that when he was announcing plans for a new overdose prevention app. Now, there was an interesting story around this with a phone line that was supposed to be rolled out last year. Tom, do you follow that story at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think certainly when we look at uh, Luan's plan on this, right, when we look at uh, the, the UCP plan on this, they've basically decided the best way to move forward with overdose prevention is to do nothing, right? That's basically the plan that they're putting forward, I think, uh, 12 versions. David, uh, as the health critic, I think you'll have maybe a more nuanced approach to that. But I, I, I think that they are leaving people behind and, and causing serious long-term damage. 
Indeed. So what we saw happen last year was uh, the AHS had a had a phone line system set up to support people who are using at home because uh, that's one of the highest risk things. When people use alone, they have an overdose, very high rate of death. There's no one there to help them or, or to resuscitate them. So AHS had developed a phone line system where people would call in. They're saying, hey, I'm about to use. Somebody would sit on the line, talk with them, monitor them, make sure they're okay. If they lost them while they were talking to them, they could send EMS, get help for them, potentially save that person's life. This was something that was set up with a full uh, academic study in coordination with the U of A and had received funding and support from Alberta Innovate. So a big investment official process would have been a fantastic thing. The day it was supposed to launch, Mr. Luan canceled it out of the blue. Just said, nope, that isn't going forward. Put nothing else in its place until now. And all of a sudden we have the government rolling out this brand new phone app that event that essentially does the same thing that was developed by an Alberta company who had hired a group called Wellington uh, to lobby the government on some other contracts. And so, of course, Wellington is known for having many folks in it that used to work as staff for Premier Kenny in various iterations of his time in government. So there's real questions here about what is this government doing and how many people's how many lives potentially could have been saved over the last few months if they had allowed that program to go through instead of canceling it and putting nothing else in place? Well, I mean, I think it's 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 clear the priorities of this government, right? When you look at this um, this plan, if you can call it a plan, it's not to look out for the people who need the services, right? It's it's look out the, to their friends and, and donors, and and in this case, it looks like they're looking out for the people who used to work for them and and uh, who put them where they are, right? So it, it's not about what's in the best interest for Albertans when it comes to the UCP. Um, it, it's about what's going to support their decisions and, and or their um, uh, their interests. And, and I think that's sort of the priority that Luan is bringing forward when he goes to cabinet. Absolutely. There's a lot of ideology involved here. And so it's unfortunate that a program that would have been Alberta wide and available last year was canceled. And now we're left with this program, which is not in fact going to launch until this summer. And even then is only going to be a pilot project in Calgary. So we really have to continue, I think, to keep an eye on this government, continue to put pressure on them to support Albertans who use substances so that we can save lives. Now, one of the other things that... Don't worry, worry, David. Don't worry. This really fiscal hawk government, don't worry. It means they paid... twice for the same thing, right? Like that's basically where we're at with this. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And the thing is, there is also another app called Lifeguard that exists in BC that does exactly the same work. So again, duplicating something that already existed. But one of the other things that we know this government has done uh, under the cover of COVID-19, we've talked previously on this podcast about them rolling back the 1976 coal policy under Peter Lougheed and the implications. So Albertan certainly pushed back hard on that. But one other thing we learned this week is that during the pandemic, they rolled back three times as many environmental rules as other provinces. And a total of 54 environmental rules in Canada, according to a study from the University of Calgary School of Public Policy. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Albertans have already told this government what they think about this. I mean, I started running uh, during this pandemic. I, I don't recommend it. It's terrible for your, well, it's great for your health, but terrible for your mind. <laughs> you're, <laughs> okay. you're out there wondering why you're running in the in the cold. Uh, but no, I mean, this whole winter when I was running and then now in the spring as well, uh, you see these Defend Alberta Park signs, right? So mm-hmm. so people uh, uh, that aren't affiliated with political parties or anything are, are putting up 
lawn signs to protest what this government is doing. And, and I think if that's where you're at, that there's these unaffiliated people that uh, are that worked up over the regulations you're changing, uh, that they're willing to put something on their lawn to tell all their neighbors that they don't like what you're doing, then you're in trouble, right? And and when we talk about these rollbacks for monitoring requirements and reporting requirements, um, it, it's, it's something that uh, maybe if you just did one of them uh, individually, you can say, okay, maybe we can make an argument. But when you start doing it uh, this many times and at this high of a rate compared to everybody else, it, it shows a pattern of behavior. It shows that there is a concerted goal to reduce the um, the protections in place, right? To reduce the, the protections for the environment in place. And I think Albertans are seeing through that. I think I think people uh, know that we love our parks, but we love our outdoors, and that and that it turns out this UCP government is not on the same page as as where everybody else is. Absolutely. And it's unfortunately, the government is doing this under the guise of jobs. They're saying, hey, we you know make it easier for these companies to operate. Hey, we strip mine the eastern slopes of the Rockies. Hey, well, then we're going to create jobs. But really, what we're seeing is there are very few jobs created compared to the amount of damage that is done to the environment. It strikes me as a pretty poor bargain when there's so many other areas we could be investing in in our economy to create work. Totally, and and when you think about it, um, and, and we can everybody can look at the projections, right? The, the 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 numbers on terms of jobs, you can see that the UCP has one of the worst track records throughout the pandemic on jobs, and and will have um, at best a middle of the pack, probably a bit worse than that uh, in terms of job growth during the recovery as well. So so none of what they're doing in terms of this for the jobs uh, environmental regulation rollbacks has actually successfully created any jobs. Um, it, it, instead, it shows that they're just looking out for these corporate interests mm. instead of fighting for or uh, protecting the things that Albertans love about the province. Absolutely. It's very clear that uh, the folks that have Jason Kenney's ear and get to, I guess, and that they're making these decisions for are not your everyday Albertans. You're right. There are these corporate interests, the folks in the back rooms, they're UCP's friends and allies, and it is not things that are benefiting Albertans. Now, the thing is, there have been a lot of groups, I think, that have been stepping up to help Albertans throughout this pro- throughout the pandemic. And it's been, I think, one of the ways that people have gotten through is the this fact that we have community there that has been supporting people. But community groups have been seeing a lot of impact, unfortunately, by some of the choices that Jason Kenney and the UCP have made as well. I know last year there were uh, they were shuffling a lot of money around under the uh, under the CIP Community Initiatives Program, the Community Facility Enhancement Program, uh, and that was impacting a lot of community groups. Of course, they're also not able to access their usual casino funding and other things that normally keep them going as well. And now we have a new situation where with this brand new budget, we see a cut to the community facility enhancement program uh, of 50% in this budget. Uh, What kind of impact does that have for community groups in your constituency? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually asked the infrastructure minister about this because it is capital plan money uh, officially. So, um, and he basically said, oh, well, that kind of sucks. Um, but no, I mean, for 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 communities in my area where I, I'm in suburban Edmonton, of course, I'm out by the airport almost. Um, and in south, south, southwest Edmonton here, this CFAP funding and these provincial grants is is critical to what the community leagues do, right? We're talking about communities 
that are predominantly very new, like in the last 10 years they've been built, which means they don't have community halls, they don't have uh, they don't have the, the large infrastructure in terms of recreation facilities or anything like that. Um, so when we're talking about even just building a playground, right? Uh, talking about building a playground in the, in the neighborhood, uh, putting in some garbage bins uh, in the in the ravine system or, or, or whatever it is, right? Like all these little projects that um, when you add them up, start adding up into real money um, and millions of dollars, the, these massive cuts to CFEP, um, these massive cuts to the community facility hatchet program means that the that communities can do less, right? It, it means that more people are going to be commute, competing for the same funds. It means that everybody's going to see less playgrounds. Everybody's going to see less garbage bins. Um, and, and really, it's 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 just a detriment to, to newer communities, I think. Absolutely. And, you know, it was interesting when, uh, when this was brought up in the question period. Uh, uh, our, our leader, Rachel Nodley, she brought it up. She asked Jason Kenney this directly about this program. His answer was, well, money doesn't grow on trees. Now, let's remember, this is a government that is throwing $30 million dollars a year at their embarrassment of an energy war room. This is a government that uh, just wasted, uh, well, gambled one and a half billion dollars on the re-election of President Trump, lost that money, trying to sue the U.S. government now to get that back. Uh, they have no problem at all throwing money away on their pet projects and things that they feel would help them politically, and then they want to nickel and dime the folks that actually make a difference in communities on the ground. Well, and I, I think again, it, it just it just speaks to what the priorities are, right? And we've talked about this a lot uh, during this podcast already, but um, it's about Jason Kenney's friends, right? Like when you talk about Tom Olson's thirty million dollar war room, it, it's almost double how the total amount of money that's going to be going to CFAP this year, right? So it, it's about Jason Kenney making sure that his friends are have the funding they need. Uh, but not the average Albertan, right? Not the people who live uh, down the street from 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 you or me, David, right? Not not the people who are trying to build a playground so that the kids uh, have something to do in the summer, right? The, and it's about Jason Kenny not taking um, people seriously uh, and not taking their concerns seriously when they say we need these programs. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap up with talking a little bit about your uh, your critic file, Thomas. So you're the you're the critic for infrastructure. So you just finished kind of going through that budgeted estimates process with Minister Panda. So this government likes to brag a lot about their in. I think they may have used the word historic. They like that word a lot. Historic capital spend, infrastructure investment to create jobs across the province of Alberta. Uh, what do you think on that? Is that a credible claim? I, you know, I, I think it's it's a little bit wonky anytime they use numbers and words like that. Uh, it's a little bit unreliable. I, I mentioned it earlier today already, but of course, uh, they are very bad at getting money out the door, right, in terms of the the capital spend. So so they say we're going to spend however many billion dollars, but it turns out that only 70, 80% of that money actually gets built. Um, and, and they say they're going to invest in all of these projects, but they don't put the money in the actual budget, right? So they, they for example, they, they told Red Deer that they would get $100 million towards um, a new Red Deer hospital. Um, you go look in the budget and this year it's $5 million, right? Like they've only budgeted 5 million. They said it was going to be a $100 million project, but they only put 5% of that in, right? So so when you look at how they're going about making very large claims, uh, when you look at the actual numbers, they don't line up. It, it, it turns out that the government is, is basically uh, not not uh, being fulsome and with the truth when it comes to comes to the capital spend. It's okay, Thomas. We're not in the legislature. You're allowed to say lying. <laughs> I, I try to be a nice guy. I try to give them a little bit of benefit. 
Indeed, indeed. Well, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And indeed, uh, well, one of the other things we saw in this budget is, of course, they cut the amount of money they're providing to municipalities for their infrastructure needs as well. So it's it's really everybody is sort of getting the short end of the stick with this government. And unfortunately, yeah, that is going to have real impact, not only meeting community needs, but in creating jobs that people need right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, I've been meeting with with a number of different stakeholders around this, and and the job situation is dire, right? Like in terms of infrastructure, uh, this year alone, they're expecting to lay off 72 uh, full-time equivalents, FTEs, in infrastructure, right? Um, and that's largely, I think, going to be maintenance staff and, and, and people like that. Um, and, and that's the second largest layoff in the entire government is what they've budgeted for in infrastructure. So, so when, when we're talking about um, the government's saying they're using infrastructure money to to to, to create jobs. Um, they're, they're only interested in short-term jobs, right? They're only interested in jobs that are going to be months, maybe a year. Uh, they're not thinking long-term. They're not thinking about um, if we build all these buildings, who's going to maintain them? Who's going to keep them running? What does the deferred maintenance look like in five years, right? Um, so so there is real costs that the government is sort of just ignoring. And, and a lot of that money is a maintenance money. And, and I think that whoever is government next, hopefully us, is going to have a lot to clean up, clean up on that. Absolutely. Well, there you go, folks. That's a quick recap of what happened this week. So thanks, Thomas, for joining. Appreciate having you here today. It's always a pleasure, David. Excellent. Well, folks, we're going into a constituency break, so we'll see what happens over the next week. I imagine we're going to see a lot of government announcements. We'll have more to talk about on the next episode of The Herd. Have a good one.